Welcome to the Money Insights Podcast, where high-income earners come to learn wealth-building strategies that will take them from high income to high net worth. With your hosts, financial and wealth-building experts, Christian Allen and Rod Zabriskie. Welcome into this week's episode of the Money Insights Podcast, where we talk all things money and business. I am Rod Zabriskie, and today I'm joined by Brennan McConnell. How are you doing, Brennan? Very good. Glad to be back so soon, Rod. Yeah, as as you may know, Brennan joined us a couple of weeks ago for our Money Insights with Money Insights episode. And uh, man, we just couldn't get enough. We had to get him back. <laughs> I had to be back. I uh, I told Rod and Christian that I wanted just a, a solo episode with Rod. So sweet. And and yeah, so let's do address the elephant in the room. Anyone <laughs> who listens to this on a regular basis, you're not used to hearing my voice first. You're used to hearing Christian. And uh, he is, as we speak, on his way home from uh, his trip to Hawaii, where he got married to his now wife, Heather. Congratulations to them. We're really excited for them. Uh, but anyway, that, that's why. So it's, it's Brennan and me today, just the, the, the kids running the asylum here for a minute. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but we're really excited about our uh, topic for today. We have uh, Adam Carroll, who is the uh, founder of The Shred Method with us. And Brennan, why don't you give us a little bio for what people uh, can expect when they have in store? Yeah, so Adam is an internationally recognized financial literacy expert. He is an author of three Amazon bestsellers, a two-time TED Talk speaker with over 6 million views on YouTube and TED.com, and is the creator of the Broke, Busted, and Disgusted documentary, which aired on CNBC and is shown in hundreds of high schools and colleges across the country. Sweet. And we won't get into as much of the books and things like that, but we will get into the shred method. And the thing that I was really uh, excited about with this is, as people know, at Money Insights, what we're trying to do is enhance the investing and, and just the, the flow of cash people are doing inside of their businesses and their investments and things like that. And what this does is it adds another layer to where you can do that. And so uh, this... The shred method is just a really cool way to, to flow your money and, and make really cool things happen. So we are excited to have Adam with us. And without any further ado, let's jump on with Adam Carroll, founder of The Shred Method. All right, here you are with Adam Carroll, founder of The Shred Method. Thank you for joining us, Adam. Hey, it's my pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And we're really excited to learn about the shred method and kind of how you came up with it and whatnot. But as a starting point, what I thought we would do is learn a little bit about you. So tell us a little about kind of just your background and, and how you came to be where you are today. Well, I, I like to tell people I'm a serial entrepreneur. Um, I, I got away from W2 status a long time ago. And um, it's nothing against the jobs I had or what I was doing. It's just there's one group of people I just never get along with and they happen to be bosses for some reason. <laughs> I don't, it just didn't work for me. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, I, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've, I've been in the mortgage business. I've been a public speaker for the past 20 years mm -hmm. and, and have really kept going back to that. Well, back to that platform over and over again. Uh, it seemed like I would get drawn into a business. I would be working at something and, and I kept getting called back to being on stage and, and teaching and I think deep, deep down for me, teaching is where it's at. That's my, that's my fulfillment zone, yeah. whether it's in large groups or small groups or via podcasts like this, 
I really love when people uh, get that aha moment. And it's like, uh, if I have opened their eyes to a new idea, I feel like I've been successful. Yeah. And so um, that's that's the, how I would describe myself. Cool. Well, when you're good, you're good. If you know, if they keep pulling you back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what I keep telling myself anyway, Rod. <laughs> well, well, we'll reinforce that. I love it. You know, Adam and I, we actually met each other a couple of months ago at a real estate conference. And uh, I heard Adam do some of his public speaking and he was just phenomenal. So mm. if uh, if you ever see Adam Carroll on the agenda for one of your conferences, then you're in for a treat. So there you go. Testimonial. Well, right thank there. you, Brennan. I appreciate that immensely. Absolutely. Well deserved. So. Well, well, let's ease into it a little bit, Adam. So first, you know, for our listeners, tell us about the problem that the shred method is solving yeah. and how you came up with it. Well, I mentioned before that I've been in the mortgage business and um, I, I actually was a wholesaler prior to being a broker. So I was actually working for a mortgage company and trying to sell our mortgage products to brokers who would then sell them to their clients. And I, I feel like I learned so much in that role. Namely, I learned how to read credit reports. I learned how to figure out DTI, you know, debt to income ratios, front end, back end. I just knew the lingo. Like I started figuring out what the lingo was around financial uh, products and services. And I got really savvy about the whole process. Um, as you both know, when you're applying for a mortgage, you're giving things like your assets, your income, right. uh, what your, your expenses are. You're looking at a credit report. It's almost the full scope picture of someone's financial uh, life. And I got to look at those every single day. I would get dozens and dozens of them faxed in. This is going to date me, but I had them faxed to my office. And then <laughs> those I would, were the good old days. They were the good old days. <laughs> It was that thermal paper too, Rod, that like balled up at the end <laughs> and it would, I'd lose it and it would turn black in the sunlight. That's great. Um, but I did that for the better part of about two years. And I bet I looked at thousands of credit reports in the meantime. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I realized was towards the end of my, my stint as a wholesaler, I realized that I was working for the devil and we were putting people <laughs> in products that were going to put them in serious financial peril. And, um, so the writing was in big red letters on the wall that I had to, I had to leave that, that employer, but I wanted to go and and still do good by people do right by them financially. And so I started the first socially responsible mortgage company in the state of Iowa, where I'm from and other brokers were saying, well, how do you know you're socially responsible? And, you know, we're socially responsible. And I had taken a cue from Muhammad Ali, who said he was the greatest and, and the reason that Muhammad Ali was the greatest was he said he was over and over and over again. So we kept saying, Hey, we're the first socially responsible mortgage company in the state. And people began to call us that, Oh, these guys are socially responsible and you need to work with them. Yeah. And candidly, we were putting people in a better position financially when they were done with us than when we start, when they started with us, the way we did that was we would essentially refinance their finances. So I was finding that most people um, they didn't have a lot of savings, uh, probably had more debt than they really needed to. Uh, they didn't quite understand financing in its purest form, which, which ultimately they had, um, the way I like to describe it is most people have paymented themselves into a corner mm -hmm. and I'm sure you guys see this. They've figured out how to, how to finance virtually everything in their life. So it's mm -hmm. all based on the payments they can afford. 
but what I was trying to do is free up discretionary income at the end of the month to allow them to get out of debt, to save, to invest, to prepare themselves for the future. And the one thing, and I'll get to the, the question about what is the shred method, what does the shred method do for people? The one thing I noticed was that individuals kept coming back to us about every two or three years and they would say, Hey, is it about time for me to refinance? Mm. And can you tell me how much money I'll save if I refinance? And it didn't take me long to realize that what we were doing was we were resetting the clock for people every time we'd refinance them. Yeah. And in addition, we would charge them a point or two to originate the loan and do underwriting and all of that. So on a $200,000 deal, that might be another four grand that we're adding to their principal. And it just seemed to me that I was trying to put people in a better position financially, and they kept sabotaging themselves by refinancing their debt over and over and over again. And so I think to answer your question point blank, Brennan, what I help people do with the shred method is for those that have been caught in this perpetual refinance loop or the perpetual loop of being uh, paymented into a corner, we show people that there's a better way. There's a different way to create more money at the end of the month, not more month at the end of the money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and it's worked really, really well for hundreds of families. Oh, that's awesome. I, I'm excited to jump more into it. So Adam, he, uh, I got to catch a little bit of his presentation on the shred method a couple months ago at that, that, uh, seminar that we were both at. So, uh, you, you're in for a treat. It'll be some really good information. Okay. So with that as a, as a backdrop, then let's, let's get into it. So tell us about what it is, uh, high level first, and then, and let kind of walk us through the steps. How does it work? Yeah. Um, so I'm going to start by asking a question, Rod, and I'm going to ask okay. this of you in particular, because I'm really curious your answer. So if, if you left your house in the morning, Rod, at 8 a.m. and you went to the grocery store, let's say, and you come back home right after the grocery store, knowing that you had to go to the post office at 4 p.m. that afternoon, would you leave your car running in the driveway all day? I would not. And why wouldn't you? I would turn it off. It's the environmentally responsible thing. I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> it's going to burn gas, right? It's yeah, yeah, it'll burn, burn gas. A hole in my pocket. Not good for the environment. Uh, you know, in some places, your car might be stolen. Yeah. My running joke is in Des Moines, where I live. Someone would probably come and take it for a car wash. They'd be like, oh, it was running outside. I thought <laughs> I'd just go wash it for you and bring it back. That's great. Um, the reason we we don't do that is it's inefficient. It burns mm -hmm. gas. It would cost money. It'd be hard on the engine, et cetera. And I liken what most people are doing with their money to that very thing. They're leaving a car running in the driveway all day long. And what I mean by that is there are folks out there who will leave money sitting in a, a low or no interest bearing checking account for days, weeks, months, even years on end, mm -hmm. all the while they're paying massive amounts of compound interest somewhere else. And what they don't know is there is a way to create financial, the, the, the complex way to describe this is there's a way to, to create financial arbitrage using a simple interest vehicle against a compound interest vehicle. That's the, yeah. the more complicated way of describing it. The easy way of describing it is if you could park the money that is right now in your checking account against your mortgage or against some of the other compound debts you're paying, it will save you tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars 
in the long and the short run. And the shred method teaches you exactly how to do that by leveraging a home equity line of credit as a checking account effectively. That sounds intriguing to me. Okay. So the, so it's acting as the, as a checking account in what sense? So, so I, I receive my income and what do I do with it at that point? Yep. So when someone receives income, um, the shred method is really the, 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 the flow of money. Um, mm -hmm. This is the way the money flows through your accounts, through the HELOC, through your checking account, to the mortgage, maybe paying a credit card, et cetera. And then we have a piece of software that powers the shred method. And the piece of software really does all the complex calculations and algorithms to tell you how much to send and where and when. And so here is the flow. If you had a line of credit, a home equity line of credit, sometimes called a HELOC, mm -hmm. um, which I should mention is different than a home equity loan. So some, some banks or lenders would try and put you in a home equity loan product. And a loan is different than a line of credit in that a loan is a closed-end mortgage or a closed-end product, meaning you borrow 20 grand, they give you 20 grand, and then they say, here's how much you're going to pay month over month until it's paid off. That would be a closed-end closed end note. Kind of um, like a cash-out refi? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. A, a HELOC is different in that it is, it is open-ended. So a HELOC is, is functioning technically like a two-way street. Money goes in and money comes out. Mm -hmm. And it's constantly doing that. Money goes in, money goes out all the time. Uh, your mortgage is like a one-way street. Money only goes in. It doesn't come back out again unless you either sell it or you do a cash-out refi. Mm -hmm. So the way this would work for most consumers is they would open a home equity line of credit for roughly one and a half to two times what their monthly take-home pay is. Okay. So to put the numbers into perspective, Rod, if you were taking home $5,000 a month take-home pay, you would want somewhere between $7,500 and $10,000 on a line of credit. Now, in some cases, people will say, well, what if I can get $100,000 or $200,000? And, and depending on their situation, I will say, by all means, do it. And the reason yeah. I say that is most people don't really have a, a, an income problem. They have a liquidity problem. Mm -hmm right? The liquidity is the, the issue because it's all tied in the equity of their home or their, their Roth IRA or their 401k. They can't really have access to it. So let's say we start with a 20 grand home equity line and the software is going to um, run based on some inputs, your income, your expenses, um, your debt payments, and so on. And it's going to say, based on the amount of income that you have coming in and the expenses you have going out, we're going to recommend that you send and I'm going to riff on these numbers, but $1,885.68 from your HELOC to your mortgage. And immediately you send this lump sum to the mortgage, which now creates a, a deficit on your HELOC. It's no longer at zero. Now it's at 1880, mm -hmm. right? 65. And, um, and then over the next couple of weeks, you're going to pay some of your bills. You'll pay your regular mortgage payment. You might pay a car payment. You might pay your living expenses. And let's say all those together, all of the payments that we've just listed equals $7,000. But you're going to get a $5,000 income coming in on Friday. So we have $7,000 against the line of credit, but it's only seven grand for about four or five days. Mm -hmm. And then your five grand gets plunked down and it goes back to $2,000 balance on the HELOC. 
So when people say, hey, aren't I borrowing money to pay bills that I would normally pay anyway? What we tell them is there's a difference between simple interest and compound interest. And secondly, the amount of money that you're borrowing on the HELOC is so small and for such a short amount of time that it ends up literally being dollars of interest and in some cases cents worth of interest. Mm -hmm. And the difference is that when you drop, in my example, $1,880 on your mortgage, you may go from payment one to payment 15. Right. Thereby skipping 14 payments of your mortgage, which if it's $1,000, that's $14,000 in payments you've just skipped. So I'll pause there because I'm sure you have questions. Yeah. Well, okay. So earlier you'd mentioned that it's this kind of arbitrage between paying simple interest and, and earning some compounding interest. Yep. And a lot of our listeners are, listeners are going to be familiar with that concept because as we'll get into here in a minute with, with one of our strategies, the investment optimizer, we are doing a very similar thing. Exactly. But So what I hear you saying though, is that basically the money that was going to just be sitting in their savings account, earning compound interest of 0.01% instead is put in a place where just by, by nature of the, a difference in the interest rates associated with it, namely associated with a traditional mortgage and associated with the HELOC, yep. then we're, we're just turning that to our advantage so that we can create more interest earned against less interest paid. Is that fair? That's exactly right. That's okay. exactly right. Yep. And it's, it's candidly based on a statistic that I've, I'm fond of repeating, I heard probably 12 or 15 years ago. And it basically was that the two greatest expenses we have in life, actually, I'm going to ask you guys, do you know the two greatest expenses we have in life? Well, one of them has got to be taxes. Taxes is one. I was going to say wife and kids, so maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Golf and shoes, right? Brennan, no. yeah. Uh, yeah, it's taxes and the interest expense on debt. Yeah. So what most people don't understand is that even on a mortgage, and let's say, let's say that some of your listeners are, are they were lucky enough to lock in at two seven five or three and a quarter mm -hmm. or whatever it might be. I'm two nine nine. Two nine nine. This is the cheapest money I'll ever get. Yeah. Only when you do the math in the shred method, a two nine nine mortgage, most of them come back with an effective APR of about 0.4 or 0.5 percent. So when I say, oh, this is the cheapest money I'll ever get at 299, it's actually not true. It may be cheap to borrow, but if if your loan balance is still 500,000 or 800,000 or a million five, it's still a significant amount of interest. And the reality is that the majority of the interest that you're going to pay on that mortgage is at the front end of the mortgage. Right. So even if someone uses the shred method for a year, or two, if it's at the beginning stages of their mortgage, they're they're literally going to be tens of thousands, and in some cases, hundreds of thousands of dollars ahead. Hey, sorry for the interruption. Just wanted to let you know that you can take the F3 assessment right now over at moneyinsights.net. And after the short five minute assessment, you'll get specific recommendations that will help you move from high income to high net worth. Enjoy the rest of the show. Well, and, and what I see happening and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're basically converting your traditional mortgage for a HELOC. So in other words, and and that's going to be a floating rate. I understand that. But if I'm taking my 299, that's, that's my traditional mortgage that, let's see, would be paid off in 28 more years because yeah. I died two years ago. 
Yep. Um, then instead kind of turning that into a place where I, I am creating liquidity out of my equity instead of just, just drumming along and paying it down the way that I normally would be. Is there, that, is that fair? That's totally fair. And, and this, this goes right to the heart of my comment about most people don't have an income problem. They have a liquidity problem. Mm -hmm. I ask audiences all the time when I'm sharing the shred method, if you were presented with a hundred thousand dollar opportunity and you knew that, that at that level, it's no longer, and you both know this, they're no, they're really no longer retail investments. They're wholesale investments when you're putting in that, that size uh, mm -hmm. of an amount, 50,000, a hundred thousand or more. It's just a different level of investor and a different level of investment. So if someone says, Hey, there's a hundred thousand dollar deal you can put in on and oh, by the way, the return is 15 to 30%, right? And even at 15, it's guaranteed at nine, 15's a low end and 30 is possible. Mm -hmm. And I say that some people might go, where, where on earth do these exist? But mm -hmm. we literally just got out of an investment. It was a 30% rate of return. Yeah. Um, they're out there. Yep, but it requires sure. that you write a big check to, in order to get into them. Most people, if I said, where would that come from? They'd say, I'd have to go get a loan. I'd have to pull money out of my 401k. I'd have to cash out an IRA. They, they wouldn't have the liquidity sitting there ready for them. And I maintain the reason they don't is because we dutifully pay our monthly mortgage payment, just like the bank tells us to do. And, well, um, and at the same time, banks are popping up on every corner of every street in America. And you go, how does this business model work for them when it, it costs millions of dollars to build a bank branch, yeah, at least two or three years to become profitable. And yet they'll build them over and over and over again. Yeah. It's, you know, it's pretty simple. Well, and what's, what's even scarier than that is uh, we've seen plenty of, of situations where a situation described earlier, where people who don't have a lot of discretionary income, don't have many, much savings. Yeah. Um, but then we would run into situations where they were like, but I insist on paying this extra, you know, fill in the blank, 50 bucks, 200 bucks a month yeah. towards my mortgage. And that just scared me. I was like, wait a minute, hold on. We gotta, we gotta yeah. help you with this. And cause in their mind, they were creating a future liquidity totally. event, right? Once they pay it off. Yep. But man, until that happens, that's, that's just spelling trouble. Yep. You know, you, you lose job or if you're a, an entrepreneur, you, your income goes down or whatever, right? All of a totally. sudden you can't make your mortgage payment anymore for not very long. And all of a sudden yep. all that extra equity you built up, they want yeah. it, right? They're going to get away. it. Totally. Yeah. So. And, and you, you uh, bring up a really good point here, Rod, the shred method is not for everyone in the sense that if, if you are living even remotely paycheck to paycheck, or there's some tenuousness in your job, uh, you know, stability, it, it works, but it's not at the level that some people who maybe have a really consistent, stable income and are looking for efficiency and optimization. If you're looking for efficiency and optimization, this is it. And you know, you have consistent, predictable income and you've got some reserves set up and things like that. What you described, you know, and someone paying an extra $50 here or there, or let's say, and this, I see this all the time. I'm sure you both do as well. Someone has an extra, whatever amount, 200 to $500 a month, and they divvy up that money into chunks and they put a little bit towards everything mm -hmm. and they go, yeah, I'm just sending a little bit extra to all of my debts. And I'm really doing a great thing here. And I will tell them, Hey, if I gave you a piece of bread and I said, I want you to toast this bread 
and you have two options. You can either use a flashlight or a blowtorch. That would be like taking a flashlight to the bread and going, <laughs> this is going to be awesome. Once it's toasted, it's going to take a really long time. Yeah. And there are ways to do everything that we're talking about faster. Um, I think what it underscores is the need to have really, uh, really savvy advisors who understand mm -hmm. both what you're trying to accomplish and know multiple ways to make that happen. So it sounds like you've built some pretty cool tools and calculators as part of this. Tell us a little bit about those and how people can find them. Yeah, the, the I'll tell you the easiest way, Brennan, is to go to theshredmethod.com where we have uh, essentially there's a an on-demand webinar that you can go through that will teach you everything you need to know and how to use it. And then we have a, a calculator tool that allows you to plug in your income, your expenses, your mortgage balance, and it will kick out. Here's how fast you could ostensibly have everything knocked out. Um, and I say that, but I want to make sure your listeners know two things. Number one, some people, they just have a desire to be debt-free, period. And it's just more than likely the way they were raised there was there there may yeah. have been a foreclosure event or you know the family farm was uh went up in smoke or or you know something happened there was a big bankruptcy and so people are just generally afraid of the debt and so they just they're debt averse they want to they want to be debt free this works for them um you know mm -hmm. most people can be completely debt free mortgage included in somewhere between three and seven years depending on their discretionary income there is another group who sees this as a viable way of building equity, building liquidity. And Rod, to your point and your question, this is how you might use the investment optimizer, mm -hmm. like where we're overfunding uh, a vehicle that allows us to invest well, the equity in your home could be the tool that allows you to do that. And so when you use the shred method, it allows you to get to that point that much faster. So I'm familiar with uh, the strategy you all use I believe in it. I employ it. And the only way that I could have gotten there, or I shouldn't say the only way, one of the ways that I got there faster was by using the equity in my home and using the shred method on the front end so that I could write $25,000 and $30,000 checks into accounts that now allow me to write $100,000 checks into investments. Yeah, that's perfect. And that's actually where, where I was planning on heading next because a lot of our our listeners are active investors. They invest in real estate, in, in businesses, in a lot of yep. different cash flow types of things. So with that as kind of an intro, do you have any uh, examples or, or you know situations that come to mind where someone by using the shred method in conjunction with some of the investing that they're doing just made it, if nothing else, just like you said earlier, kind of this, this liquidity and this flow of cash more efficient? Yes. So there's a couple of examples that I'll give you right off the top of my head. Um, one is a business owner. Uh, the business owner was, you know, making pretty consistent income. I think they've been an owner for the better part of 15 years or more. So, you know, by that point they had, I think 20 employees, they had a pretty stable income coming in from their company and they just said, Hey, I've got, I, they had a primary residence and a secondary home on a beach somewhere. Hmm. And I said, well, what's the goal? And they said, well, what we'd really like to do is just create a lot of equity in our properties that we can then go deploy elsewhere if we wanted to. Um, candidly, they had, I think they had some amount sitting on the sidelines, like a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars sitting on the sidelines. Mm -hmm. And when we did the math, um, and I said, you know, if if 
in this brand new refi that you've just done, if you were to drop an amount of money and we can range it from 50 grand to 200 grand, if you were to drop that on your mortgage, it's going to save you X amount in, in interest. And for this particular situation, it was, it, it was the better part of $150,000 or more in, in mm -hmm. interest. It was going to accelerate their amortization table where well over half of their payment was going to principal every single month instead of, you know, the majority going to interest and a little bit going to principal, it was flip-flopped. Right. And, um, and they had blasted away both their primary and their, their vacation home within four and a half years. So four and a half years in, they'd had a primary paid off and their secondary home paid off. But here's where it gets really interesting. They owned a building, the business owned a building. And I said, you know, you can also shred your commercial building. And all you have to do is simply funnel some of the revenue from the company through that business line of credit or line of credit against the commercial property. And we can create massive amounts of equity in your commercial building, which you can then borrow against at any time. And this is money that they had sitting in a slush fund essentially for the commercial space mm -hmm. where they were like, well, we don't know when we're going to need it, but we're going to need it sometime. And, and by asking the question, do you need access to the money or do you need the money available? And they were like, well, what is the difference? And I said, having access to the money means that it might be in a line of credit. You have access to it anytime you want it, but it's, it's in play in a way that's made efficient. That would be you know, maybe in the equity of the building itself. Um, available is it's just sitting in a checking account, earning you nothing. And they were doing that because it made them feel good. And, mm -hmm. you know, their dad probably told them cash was king back in the yep. 1980s, you know, mm -hmm. when cash was making 12%. And, um, and so I said, here, here's an idea. Um, let's talk about how you get where you want to go, but, but using some, some more savvy methodologies. And I said, what is the ultimate goal? And they said, we, we definitely want a house in Florida. And I said, okay, so just play with me, devil's advocate here. Uh, I'm going to present a scenario. How much do you have available to you or access to through the company? And they said, oh, well, our banker told us we could get a million and a half, $2 million on the line of credit if we needed it. And I said, I, you know, there's a syndication, a real estate syndication coming up that is guaranteeing a 9% return. Uh, month over month, and you get a little extra bump if you put in over half a million. So half a million to a million, you can get you can get even more on the back end. Um, and I think the return was like a two two point one times multiple of the original investment is what they were projecting. So put in a mill five years later, four years later, they'd have two point one almost right two point two. Mm -hmm. And I they said okay, so this makes us nervous. And I said, well, you said you wanted to buy a home in Florida, so what's the price tag on a home in Florida? Oh, it's going to be at least a million, right? Mm -hmm. Million five, whatever on the beach. And I said, okay, so let's assume that your payments in the neighborhood of $6,000 a month. If you put a million dollars in a syndication and you are making $90,000 a year on that syndication from income from the syndication, that'd be $7,500 a month that you would receive an income from the syndication. That would cover your $6,000 a month mortgage payment, wouldn't it? And they were like, oh yeah. And I said, and the extra 1500, if you're tracking with me would do what? And they're like, it would shred the mortgage. So we begin shredding their mortgage. And within four or five years, they would have their primary paid off, their secondary paid off, a home in Florida paid off, and they'd cash out of the syndication with a couple mil. Mm -hmm. And 
just like that in a five years time, they're going to have this massive swing in net worth. And it's all because they're just creating efficiencies with the, the, the amount and, and different types of income they have coming in. Yeah. So that's one example on a bit higher end. Yeah, no, that's great. And I, and I think that's, that's really actually good, uh, for our typical listener. We, we have a lot of higher income people, you know, that, that listen to us Then they have a lot of extra discretionary income and they're the type of people who, who want to be out there making cool things happen with it Yeah, in the investment world in syndications and other things like that. Um, but I think hopefully what, what we're helping people see is that, uh, this is an, an additional method to improve the efficiency of that flow and something that can also be dovetailed in with the investment optimizer or even what we introduced recently, the capital avalanche, which is not as much about, uh, you know, flowing money in and out of the investment, it itself creates this future tax-free income. Right. But either way, regardless, uh, we we can do this in a way where you don't you don't give up or you're not uh, like putting yourself out there. We we often use the the term conservative leverage, okay, to yes. differentiate it from the toxic types of of debt that people use out there that that uh, you know more consumer-driven type of stuff. Um, but it, but it fits within that that umbrella of the conservative leverage and maybe another piece, another, another additional efficiency that can be put into the system in addition to the, the things that we've been teaching people and, and that yes. a lot of our listeners are, are using now. Yeah. I love that conservative leverage. Um, hopefully you've trademarked that. Have you trademarked conservative leverage? Yeah. As, as of the, the uh, broadcast of this podcast, hopefully that will have happened. <laughs> Yeah, I really dig that. Um, and I want to, I want to make sure I, I mentioned one other example, which this is yeah. on a much smaller scale, but, um, we had one, one individual who they shredded their mortgage. They spent about a year and a half to two years creating some liquidity. And, um, I think they had about $200,000 in equity in their property. They were at about a 50% LTV on the mortgage itself, but they had a hundred thousand, hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars line of credit. And as it just so happened, one of their relatives came to them and said, I have this amazing business idea. Um, I've written the business plan. We have a, a group of investors who are lined up to, to put in some seed capital, but we're going to a friends and family round first. And if you're interested, and, and this was kind of a bet on the bet on the jockey, not on the horse. Mm -hmm. um, and the person who brought the idea to the table is just a brilliant, brilliant business person. Um, so everyone said, oh, there's no way this guy's not going to succeed at it. And he has, but they put in a hundred thousand dollars of their, of their equity on their line of credit and said, we're going to, we're going to bet on the, on the jockey here. Hmm. Um, the very first, so the, the first valuation came in at a million. So hundred thousand dollars got them a 10% stake in the company. Um, the very next valuation that came a year later was at 10 million. Oh, wow. So you can, you know, you can see how someone could 10 X an investment, they have to be able to make one of those wholesale type investments. Right, right. And it's not, it's, it, you know, it's definitely a risk profile. It's sure. definitely a different risk profile than what someone might have, you know, oh my gosh, I'm putting something into a startup. Where's this going? Um, so I'm not saying everyone, Hey, just go pour money into whatever investment comes across your way, but there are definitely opportunities out there that you can play in. And uh, for for savvy investors who know what they're looking at and and do their due diligence, this is a great way to speed up that process. 
Yeah, and I and I totally agree with what you said about the the idea of of betting on the jockey. I I just I understand that, and I and I totally agree with that. We and we talk about it a lot here on the podcast because if you can find the right, whether it be business operator, syndication operator, etc., yeah, then they they know what they're doing. You trust them and their judgment and or their system, then it. it Again, it doesn't mean you are removing all, you know, due diligence and things like that. You absolutely mm-hmm. still do that. But if you have the right, if you have the wrong jockey on the on the right horse, you're not going to go anywhere. If you yeah. have the right right jockey on maybe almost any horse, then then uh, you know, you can really go somewhere. So I guess yes. that. Brennan, any other thoughts on uh, kind of some of the stuff we're doing and how that could dovetail in with shred method? Um, I don't think so. I think the only thing that came to mind was what, what kind of a turnaround time is on the cash value line of credit when you start shredding your debt, what's the turnaround time for that cash value or that line of credit to increase, not cash value line of credit. That's with, uh, that's with the investment optimizer, the capital avalanche. So the home equity line of credit, what's that time look like? You know, for most people just getting started, um, what I recommend they do is, is figure out number one, how much equity do they have in their home? Right. So if, uh, if you've been in your home for a while, if you've been making payments for a number of years, the idea would be, you'd have plenty of, plenty of equity. You could go get a, you know, a 10% or 15% line of credit. Um, as I mentioned before, it really ideally should be somewhere between 1.5 and two times what your take-home pay is. However, that being said, um, what I'll often tell people who have a significant amount of equity is go get a fifty or a hundred thousand dollar line of credit because you're only going to pay on it if you're using it, mm-hmm. right? So, so having access, I maintain that everyone should have a HELOC. Everyone, if nothing else, than to have it there in case of an emergency, because we don't know when a storm rolls through and it destroys the roof line. Like most people are going to go get a loan to fix something like that. They don't have that cash available on the sidelines. So having a HELOC is really important. In answer to your question, Brennan, how quickly can people see results? It depends on their discretionary income, you know, how much, how much extra they have at the end of every month. Um, it also depends somewhat on their overall income because as income cycles through the HELOC, it's bringing the balance down and the system is saying, oh, hey, it's a few days before your next expenses go out or your next income comes in. Let's deploy this big chunk against your mortgage. And when you do that, you're adding to the equity that you have available to you, right? Right. So we typically find within six months, nine months, if someone comes in and gets a 50 or $100,000 line of credit, within six or nine months, they may go back to their lender and say, hey, I've paid a whole lot more down. Can I get 150 or 200? Mm-hmm. And you know, within literally within a year, for most people, a year and a half, you could you could do a pretty wild swing between not having much equity available and having a ton of equity available. And then, and this is the key, is really strategizing how much of that do you leverage or deploy at any given point in time. And that's where my my team is really gifted, is that you know, people who work with me as an example will walk through, well, tell me what your risk profile is. What's your if you had an amount of money against your HELOC that made you feel weird at night, what is that number, right? What can you sleep easily with? And I'll be candid. My, my wife and I have very different risk tolerances. Mine is very high. 
and hers is very low. Um, but we've gotten to a point where, hey, we're always going to have somewhere between 30 and 50 grand deployed on the HELOC. Typically, typically it's going to be deployed either against compound interest debt, so we're saving money, or it's going to be deployed into an investment that's making us income. And, and, or it's going into an investment optimizer type account. Mm -hmm. So like right now, you know, we we're chatting with you guys about building uh, another policy for either my wife or my kids. And, um, and I'm a, I'm a, uh, uh, I fully believe in the model in that what we are doing is we are creating generational wealth for our, our grandchildren, our great grandchildren and generations to come. Um, and I'm, I, I, again, wholeheartedly believe that it creates two generations to create a Rockefeller type fortune and you're either generation one or you're generation two. Mm -hmm. And I hope, uh, my plan is that my children are generation two and I'm generation one to set the stage for them to be able to continually build and grow on what, you know, what we're creating as a foundation. Have you ever heard of anyone becoming generation one and two? No, but I would like to be the first. <laughs> we we have a really big plan in place for for the shred method, um, because I, I I honestly believe that I want to help people free themselves to be themselves. Right. And most folks are stuck in this debt trap that doesn't allow them to go pursue what fulfills them, what drives them, what floats their boat every day. Yeah. And I think the the main reason is they're stuck in uh, in this payment cycle that that they can't get out of and they can't figure out why and the reason they can't figure out why is they're listening to all the so-called experts out there who are saying you need 12 months of living expenses before you do any of this stuff mm -hmm. and it's like good grief if somebody's got five grand in monthly expenses and six thousand in income and they're supposed to save sixty thousand dollars in a savings account before they do anything it's going to take them 60 months five years to get to a point where they can actually, you know, go start their life, their journey. I just don't think that's, I don't think that's sound. Yeah. And, um, so we're going to go out and we're going to spread this to thousands of people and hopefully have shredders on every speck of this country. And, and, uh, and then we can help funnel them to you guys, uh, you know, to build investment optimizer accounts and help them really take what they're, what they're starting with and expand it even greater. Yeah. And likewise, I, I think hopefully what this, this podcast will help do is help people see what you're doing and, and how, again, it can all dovetail together. So I think it's brilliant. Awesome. Okay. So you touched on, uh, some like consulting types of services that you offer. So maybe give us an idea for the, the full spectrum of, of things that people could benefit from by working with you guys. Yeah. So we, um, the way I would break this down, Rod, is there's really three service offerings, if you will. Um, one is kind of a do-it-yourself version where you sign up for Shred. Um, we have a course that you go through that will teach you everything you need to know about how the money flows, why it flows the way it does, um, all the way down to uh, tips and tricks. Like we put every single expense we can on a credit card throughout the month because we know the credit card will be paid off by the HELOC at the end of the month. Yeah. And so as a result, we end we end the year with hundreds of thousands of bonus points and miles and cash back. Mm -hmm. um, Christmas is free for us. Uh, traveling is generally free for us. And so it's one of the little hacks that we use to, to uh, in our case, take really lavish trips and have a great time with our family. Brilliant. Um, so that's all taught in the do-it-yourself program. 
which um, it's it's all available online. It's nine ninety seven thousand bucks basically to learn the whole process. And then if you choose to use the software to help shape your behavior and create all the habits necessary to be successful, there's a monthly subscription to the software. Um, we have two other service offerings. One is more of a consultative uh, for an individual. So if you're uh, a family uh, that may own a business but doesn't own any commercial real estate, so we're just talking about focusing on your income, we go through a somewhere between four and six session consulting program over the course of a year. And we build out all of the metrics and uh, the program for you to make sure that logistically it works for you and your family. And then if we need any smoothing out along the way, we help with that. One of the main conversations we have in that is helping people identify what their relationship to money is. Mm -hmm. So there's a little bit of money psychology behind what we do because most people are in the situation they're in because of an early money memory when they were a kid yeah. that seeded how they behave today around money. So we dig deep into that in the, the second or third call and really help people uncover, oh, that's why I you know have this proclivity to spend as an example, or, mm -hmm. oh, that's why whenever I get some amount of money, I have to go spend it right away. Right. And, yeah. and Interesting. yeah, and that is a, um, we have clients one right now that we're working with and their money story is, well, I'll never have a lot of money, so I might as well spend it now. Hmm. And if you think about that logic, it's very circular. Yeah, for right? sure. Well, I'll never have a lot of money, so I might as well spend it now because I'll never have a lot of money. So I'm, so no matter how much they make, they hmm. never have any because they spend it right away. Yeah. Because their logic is, well, our family never has a lot of money. You know, they got a lot of stuff. They go out to eat a lot, but I'm showing them, you guys could be multi, multi-millionaires if you understand this process. Yeah, and so we're, cool. we're reshaping their, their mindset around money. Um, the individual program's 3,500. Uh, we also encourage the software. So there's that subscription, but if you're a business owner, then the last program's five grand. And essentially what we do, we work with business owners on the commercial real estate side and their business. And in working with them on those two fronts, my goal is to get them a, a 10 to 15 times return on their investment. And I can oh. show people generally like, Hey, we, we do this work together. This is the kind of money you're going to, you're going to see in terms of savings on awesome. interest. And then, yeah, on the back end, what we do with that from an investment perspective. Okay, perfect. Well, uh, to wrap things up, tell people how they can find you. Yeah. The best way, easiest way is the shred method.com. Um, as I mentioned, there's a, an evergreen webinar that you can go watch. Um, we are actually starting to talk about a podcast for ourselves as well to talk through success stories of shredders who've done it and what yeah. they're doing in, in kind of a unique fashion. Um, so that will be live, I think, soon on Spotify and cool. iTunes and everywhere else. Uh, but I would say right now, the, the shredmethod.com is the best place, Rod. Okay, awesome. Well, Adam, thank you again for joining us. We're so glad that uh, you came on and kind of gave us the lay of the land on the shred method. Thank you for listening to the Money Insights Podcast. To learn more about the financial and business strategies discussed in this show, please visit moneyinsights.net. The views and opinions expressed on the Money Insights Podcast are not intended to be individual financial, tax, or legal advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making financial decisions. And if you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This will help others find the show and learn wealth-building strategies for themselves. 
Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.